Hello and welcome to the Rambling Runner Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Chittam. This is the podcast for all the dedicated amateur runners out there who are working hard to get better while balancing running with the rest of their lives. Doing a little in-person interview today with my man, Maurice the Marathon Panda Loman. Before we get into it, I just want to say thank you and give a shout out to our sponsors today. We got Say Sky, we got Vacation Races. You'll hear their ads later in the podcast. But let me just tell you, Sponsors are the backbone to the podcast industry. Thank you so much for sponsoring the show to both those companies. Also, if you love this show, go check out those brands because I never, ever let a company sponsor the show that I don't fully believe in. Say Sky is a new sponsor for us, but just unbelievable attire. Just super lightweight, high-quality stuff. And Vacation Races puts out some of the best destination races out there, both domestically and globally. So... With that said, let's get into it. Maurice Mo, how you doing, my man? Very good. Happy Wednesday, Matt. Thank you for having me over. Yeah, this is fun. So we're at my house. We're actually at my kitchen counter. We're doing this live. This doing is really exciting. Live, live upload. Yeah, so um, you've been on the show a bunch of times. As always, when I have a repeat guest, I tell people, hey, go check out a previous episode um, because you know that kind of dives into like who this person is and what they've been up to and just more of like their personal bio. With that said, you do a lot of speaking, not just on podcasts, but in person. What's like the one minute, I've never heard of Maurice Lohman before, like what's like the one minute elevator pitch of like who you are and what you've been up to as a runner and as a person? So Maurice Lohman from East Providence, Rhode Island, 44 years old, um, very, very active and vocal in the recovery community. My story is using running as the foundation um, to my sobriety, and I'm very vocal about that. Um, I'm full-time sales, and I do have some um, opportunities where I'm able to speak to the youth about my overcoming addiction in the past. So that's my passion. Um, dove into ultra running a couple years ago, and I'm just seeing where all those doors, where, where those new open doors are going to bring me. Yeah, I want to talk to you today. We talked a little bit about this on the our call yesterday. Um, I was on, I was on the run. I'm talking. I'm running. My Bluetooth dies. It was like a typical match in the morning as I'm going through my easy run. Is I want to talk to you about. Um, there's stuff that happens to every runner, but especially runners like us. We're like, we got a lot of stuff going on, but we also have big goals is that we hit these plateaus. Sometimes those plateaus are physical. Sometimes they're mental and emotional. And oftentimes they kind of have all three of them. And for someone who has, what's your, what's your daily like running record right now in terms of like how many days in a row you've run? 2,714. Okay. So you're like, you're, that number is an astonishing thing, but I think it's a great proxy for like your ability to work through plateaus because we all have them right even someone who's like positivity always you're wearing a sweatshirt that says that like right now i'm looking right at it positivity always but that doesn't mean that there aren't challenges right and that's why we have to be remain positive right like if it was easy the positivity would be easy so i want to talk to you about like the the plateaus that we all hit you know physically mentally and emotionally when i brought that up to you like hey i want to have a podcast episode about this was there a certain thing that immediately came to mind about a plateau in your running life there was and um, um it's a really cool topic a couple years back um i did hit several plateaus um to not to sugarcoat it i was it was just to kind of put perspective on it one of my favorite distances to run if i'm gonna go hard and, and have a hard training run or sign up for a race is the half marathon um i love that distance and to put, you know, I always have this thing where I say I'm not the fastest, I'm not the strongest, I haven't been doing this the longest, but positivity plus gratitude equals momentum, that's the name of the song. So with that being said, it was very difficult for me to hit certain paces, for me to go out and run a 155 or a 145 half marathon, it became difficult. There were a lot of things 
that played into that. I felt that my consistency with speed training had fell off. I felt that my consistency with hard um, workouts had fell off. I had gained weight. I had lost momentum mentally. It started to affect my self-esteem. I started to get self-conscious about it. Um, I have this thing where I, where I do post um, very often on social. I, I love to do the, the daily accountability posting and motivational stuff on, on Instagram and so forth. And at this point, a couple of years ago, I was even hesitant to post daily um, just because I was becoming self-conscious. I didn't feel like I was the consistent, positive guy that I had been putting out um, for, for so long. And a lot of it was because it was just the, the times were slowing down. I felt some plateaus. Combine that with what had become a nagging hamstring um, aggravation slash injury. So you put all those things together and I'm like, what's going on, Mo? What's going on? You're supposed to be the marathon panda. What are you going to do? All right. Let's talk about the mental and emotional side of that first, because again, you have the positivity feeling when you're, ha when you're going through those moments and it gets beyond a moment, right? It's like this sustained feeling of like, why is this happening? Like, like I'm, I'm not into this in terms of like the, the results that I'm getting out of this. At that time, you're also had, had were just about to or just became a master's runner. Like, were there like thoughts about like, well, maybe I'm just thinking that I'm like, I'm expecting too much out of myself or am I like, you know, thinking, hey, this positivity, it's great, but like maybe like I need to tamp it down. Like what, what was the, the, the thoughts for you that maybe like, all right, am I approaching this the right way in terms of my communication around my running since things aren't going well? So what I did was I had this thing where I came up with increased effort, increased activity. And I said, you're not going to get better by just kind of sitting around complaining about it. Um, and I said, if you're not doing speed workouts, you need to go do them. I was relying on the run streak to hold myself accountable, to stay consistent, but that's all it was, was a streak. There was way too many days of just going outside for one or two miles to say the streak was complete, and it wasn't a 45-minute hard effort. It wasn't, hey, warm up for 20 minutes, run hard for 60, cool down for 20. There wasn't any of that stuff structured in. I had kind of lost my way um, and just became too complacent, so I said you can easily like kickstart your way out of this by just by just grinding a little bit harder like you have everything you have the tools you have the people behind you you have the ability to do this um that came right along with me finding a pt and me finding a strength training program everything started to just click together cuz now i'm like this is more enjoyable again i i literally had lost my mojo Right. Um, and I, I so I, I went outside and a 45 minute hard effort run was enjoyable. It, it it took a little while to get back into a groove of, you know, finding finding my mojo, finding some confidence. But I said, I do love this stuff. I do want to do this long term. I am the marathon panda. I am the guy that wants to keep the run streak going for as long as physically possible and so forth. And how do you think your. Um road through recovery helped you get out of that plateau in terms of the, the 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 actions that you took and the mental mindset you need to adopt to kind of get out of that i love that question because it's a daily thing for me where i tap into that i like you hear it from you know goggins when he says the cookie jar i have that cookie jar where i can go back and look at times moments experiences 
where I was doing so many negative things with my time, with my body. And if I could make it through that, then I can make it through this. There were times where I would walk miles, you know, to go cop a bag of, of drugs and and then do it again with with no nutrition, with no food, with no personal care, with no real self-care. Um, and I and I laugh about it just because it's so far behind me and it was something I was able to overcome. It's not it's not funny, but I stay very vocal about it because if I was able to overcome those dark times and if I was able to do things like that for bad negative reasons, now I'm in a position where I can do something for positive reasons, not just positive for the body, positive for the mind, positive for the community to stay, you know, to stay fully immersed in the community and let others know what you can do with consistency, what you can do with that attitude of just showing up. I love the the role that I've kind of, not kind of, but that I've embraced where I'm, where I'm the community cheerleader. I know I'm not going to go out and win a marathon or win an ultra like you know it's it's not about that i do want to i obviously have personal things i want to improve on but being out there cheering other people on people at all levels whether it's back of the pack middle of the pack or front of the pack we're all out there getting after it i tap into that recovery aspect of it so often where i'm like maurice you've been through the darkest grimiest stuff why can't you get through this? This this is pretty easy compared to that. And why is increasing the activity like at the, the core of what you had to identify for yourself to get out of that plateau? Because it was me just once again, just relying on the fact, oh, I, I have a run streak. I run every day. Like I can't be doing that bad, but I was doing that bad. There was things like making bad meal choices and, and ordering too much takeout on the weekend that wasn't healthy takeout and just kind of sitting around saying, well, I'm going to run 12 miles on Sunday, so Friday night I can get away with a one-mile streak sake run and a big f- plate of fried seafood. Well, it doesn't add up too well when you do that consistently. And I had to kind of just take a look at myself and, and, and tell myself, if you're so disciplined to keep this streak going, if you're so disciplined to do X, Y, Z, then why can't you be disciplined to do ABC? And there's, you know, there's a lot of people out there that talk about the controllables and the things that you can control your attitude, your effort, your meal choices, the, what you put into your body. Sleep was another thing that I was neglecting and I wasn't focusing on and giving the right attention to. And I improved that drastically over the last year and a half. And I've seen such improvement in my performance, in my attitude. Um, and, and I was like, what were you waiting for? Like, why weren't you paying more, more closer attention to this before? Everybody talks about it. Just get your butt into bed early and close your eyes. And, and it's been a game changer for me. Let's t- we'll talk about that in a second. I okay. definitely want to get back to that, um, at least from a selfish perspective, because I know that I, I fall into that same category. Um, there is a, I can almost like a default that some people fall into, especially when they are a master's runner, where they feel like maybe I'm just like, maybe I'm just past my prime here, um, where you'll hear someone say, you'll see someone say like, well, maybe I'll just, I'm just, my PRs are behind me. I am just going to, I'll just run. I'm not going to take myself too seriously. It's going to be more of just like an activity, taking much more of a laissez-faire approach to it, right? They kind of put their goals on the shelf and they just kind of like back away. You know, not, this, I'm not going to ask myself the question. I always, for me, I always look at that like, all right, also what you're doing is you're kind of like giving yourself an excuse in a sense. Like if you actually don't like running, then fine. Like you'll find something else you like to do. Like that, there's nothing wrong with that either. But if you're just saying, oh, 
my races or my running isn't aren't aren't coming together the way I want to. I'm just going to disconnect as like a defense mechanism. I feel like that happens a lot, especially for masters runners who can fall into that trap. So how do you, how did you stay out of that, and how close did you get to that point when things were starting to go the other way for you? So I, that's a really really cool question. I try not to sound ignorant or insensitive to the folks that do kind of take that role that, hey, I'm at this age, maybe my best years are behind me. I think that the best years are ahead of me just because I'm learning and maturing so much in the sport of running itself. I still have so much room to grow. And I I tend to be attracted to the mindsets of people that are like, the sky is the limit. There's no, not to sound too cliche, but just because I'm getting older doesn't mean I can't get faster. I can't get stronger. Strength training has only been part of my program for say the last 18 months consistently, 24 months at the most where I've been consistent. So that in itself combined with the recovery aspects like the yoga, the Pilates, the PT work, all of that stuff is stuff that was non-existent before. So it would have been easy to say, I'm getting older. I'm not getting faster. That PR in the marathon, let's put that on the shelf. That's probably going to be my peak performance where now I'm like, I want to smash that marathon PR. I want to take 20 minutes off of it, maybe one day 25 minutes off of it. I want to become an efficient 100-mile runner. Things that are like were almost unthinkable a couple of years ago, those are the realistic goals that I'm setting for myself with even some bigger ones beyond that because of the things that I've implemented. So I I, I gravitate more towards the mindset of we are getting older, but we can still get faster. We can still get stronger. Some of my best days and performances are still ahead of me. And I strongly believe that. And goals don't have to be PRs either. Correct. Right? Like it's like, I feel like it's easy to identify a goal as a PR because it's like it's top of mind. It's a quantifiable metric, right? It's like I was at this time and now I'm at that time, right? It's really easy to create that goal, right? It's just, it's so obvious. But at the same time, like there's a million goals out there that people can create that don't have to be PRs. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. So talk about the sleep here. Talk to me about what the sleep was. Why? I guess what was the, and then we can talk about like the, the paradigm shifting moment where you decide, okay, I got to like start taking this seriously and how it has, how's, how it has evolved. So where was it before? So where was it before was some nights it would dip as low as four to five hours a night of sleep, which is, which is pretty unacceptable for somebody that's as active as me. Um, I'm very fortunate with my full-time work schedule. They're very flexible with me. However, I am on the clock for 45 to 50 hours some weeks. Sometimes that goes a little over. Sometimes that goes a little under. With the running, the strength training, the yoga, with that stuff all combined, there's hours and hours and hours where I'm active throughout the day and throughout the week. So I can't rely on four or five hours of sleep. I was having awesome Mondays, awesome Tuesdays. And by Wednesday, I'm crashing at work and relying on caffeine and energy drinks to try to get me through the day. And I'm like, it's only Wednesday and you don't feel at your best. What are you going to do to get through the, you know, Wednesday is supposed to be one of my most productive days at work. And I was losing production because of just because of the way that I felt physically. Um, So I took a, I took a look at that. And once again, you hear these people say there are things that you can control. Why aren't you controlling them? Before we get to that, I'm going to ask, what were the, the reasons you know, either overt or subconscious that you were staying up late. Just as an example, like for me, like I'll stay up late. Like sometimes I'm like, I usually work at night, right? Like that's just part of my work habit, right? I, I have to work from eight to 10 because I miss time during the day. So I'm with my kids from like 2.30 on. 
Right, so my work day is really short during the day. So I get some work done at night. But then after that, I always want to be like, all right, I want some adult time. Like, I want to watch shows that I like. I just want to be like, the kids aren't around. I'm able to just, like, have Matt Chittam time to myself. And then all of a sudden, like, it kind of escalates. All of a sudden, it's 11.45 at night. And I'm like, oh, my God, I got to go to bed. Like, that's, like, it seems, basically, I'm living that life on repeat every night. So, so, so talk to me about, like, I guess what your night was like, your nights were like in terms of, like, the, what led to... The, the poor sleep and I guess even if they're like silly reasons like why you why you ended up having such short sleep it was because of television television social media combined you know just staying up later than I should be scrolling through you know my favorite old reruns whether it was Lauren Otto whether it was Seinfeld um just giving myself a reason to stay up like this is this is your alone peaceful time you know you grind it all day now you, now it's time to unwind but I was extending that so instead of giving myself 60 minutes of it it was two hours sometimes three hours and before you know it it's 11 45 it's 12 45 it's 1 a.m and you're not sleeping yet and you're supposed to be up at 5 a.m or 5 30 a.m to get to the gym because you're on the grind and you want to be consistent and you want to show up at the gym every single morning and then you want to go to work every day and be productive so when i started giving myself a hard stop in the evening of just being in bed TV on low. I'm a guy that sleeps with the TV on. Um, everybody's different, but I'll keep it on. I'll keep it on low. But I, I give it myself a hard stop of like being in bed by like 10 p.m. And it makes a big, big difference. I mean, I'm getting an extra two hours, sometimes three hours per night on the weekend, sometimes even more than that. And it, it's been a huge difference. Um, and I've seen the improvements. Talk to me about the tangible difference it's making for you in terms of not just like, you know, the, your athletic in work performance, but just what you're noticing in yourself during the day. I wake up more alert. I wake up rested. Um, my body feels rested. My mind feels more alert. I'm not relying so much on multiple cups of coffee and, and caffeine and energy drinks throughout the morning. I'm able to set myself on a routine. I mean, I love coffee. I, I drink a lot of it, but I was literally just searching for it prior to the prior to improving the sleep just because I was giving myself an excuse you need something you need something and it was coffee on top of energy drinks on top of this um which isn't good to to be that to have that many so the improvement has been I can wake up be alert feel rested have one cup get into my routine and so forth no that's great what have you noticed from the athletic and work performance side the body feels rested. Sometimes when I when I feel something that's a little bit sore, um, getting a full night's sleep, you wake up and, and you feel pretty awesome. You feel pretty awesome. Like right away, I feel like that's a great piece of recovery is getting that full, full night's sleep. And I can't stress to you enough how much I've improved at work, not physically crashing in the middle of the day where I need to be alert, where I need to be aggressive on the sales floor, where I need to be, you know, answering calls and, and following up and listening to my boss and making sure I'm doing what he's telling me to do. <laughs> hey folks, let's talk about vacation races. So vacation races host half marathons, ultra marathons, and trail running festivals at national parks around the country in week-long running adventures all around the world. These global adventures offer daily 7 to 12k trail runs in the morning and afternoon activities that include high like high adventure things like glacier treks, zip lining, whitewater rafting or cultural activities like wine tasting, falconry, his, uh, historic tours, cooking classes, just 
these things, they offer a, just such a wide range of things. If you're worried about pace, don't be. They require runners to maintain around a 20 minute mile pace. So as long as you can, as long as you're basically moving with purpose, you're going to be just fine. These adventures are all all inclusive, which means hotels, in-country transportation, meals, drinks, activities, and swag are all covered in the trip. And they just announced their full 2024 calendar which you're going to want to check out. Again, I know we just started 2023, but you got to plan these trips way in advance, and that's exactly what they're trying to do. They have 11 different destinations. Examples are like Alaska, Costa Rica, Croatia, Ecuador, Iceland, Ireland, Japan, New Zealand, Patagonia. So many. It really is remarkable. You can go check them out at vacationraces.com. New customers can use Rambling 200 for $200 off any global adventure trip that is not currently sold out. Also, you can use code RAMBLING15 for 15% off any of the half marathons or ultra marathon adventures that are not currently sold out. So remember, it's code RAMBLING200 for the global adventures and RAMBLING15 for 15% off the half marathon or ultra marathons. Yeah, one of the things that I've noticed when I've definitely had like several nights in a row where I'm not sleeping the way I need to is like my ability to buckle down on the work front. Like I'll still, I usually I can still get out on the run. Sometimes the run aren't, runs aren't great, but like I have plenty of runs that aren't great. Like, right. so it's hard for me to like say it's, it's only the sleep, right? Like there are plenty of times where I'm like, oh my God, like this run, you know, but there are other times where it's like, all right, I need to do these three to five things during the day. Some of them work related. Maybe some of it's like, all right, like I have to do this stuff with my family or RSVP to like a birthday party, like even little things. And I'm just like, all of a sudden I'm just sitting there like, what have I done for the last 90 minutes? Like, I don't even know. I've done nothing, right? I'm just sitting there. I'm petting my dog. I'm doing Lord knows what. And like that kind of effectiveness. And I can even trace this back to when I had a normal nine to five job where like, I, I swear to God, I was completely underslept one of my jobs like I, I think i spent six weeks like just like in like in zombie mode like at my at my desk you know and i look back on i'm like oh my god like this, what, what a disgrace that was like did you have you noticed that same sort of thing in terms of like just not even brain fog just like lack of like ability to just like just get started like everything felt like it took so much effort like responding to an email i have to like put on like the freaking rocky four movie to like get me excited enough to like respond to one email like that's, it, that's where i felt well it started to affect production i'm i'm in sales and it, and it started to affect production and i was relying on excuses and i'm i always have these things where i say you know operation zero excuses and results are greater than excuses well i have to drink my own kool-aid sometimes and remind myself maurice you can't just be yapping about this stuff you have to actually execute this stuff and I had lost my position in the in the top three and the top five even at work. And that didn't sit well with me. So I had to take a sit back and look at myself and, and figure out why. And it was because I was using the fact, you're so active, you run ultras, you do this, you do this, you do this. Well, guess what? You have a job. That's what pays the bills. That's what allows you to do these other cool things on the weekends. And if you're losing production if you're not efficient if you're not in the position where they expect you to be then you need to take a look at yourself um and i was able to with the improvement in the sleep and with the improvement in the attitude going into work being more alert saying you need to be effective you need to assert yourself today you need to make sure these tasks get done on monday not push them off till wednesday thursday's your day off before you know it it's the end of the week and here's another week where you didn't finish all of your tasks 
which is pretty unacceptable. In my role, the tasks aren't things that, you know, my manager made a joke one day. He's like, it's not like I'm asking you to come in and dig a latrine. Like, just come in, do your job, get your name on the sales log, and you're you're off the, the SHIT list, you know? So, um the tasks aren't huge that we have to that we have to do on a day-to-day basis so it was a lot of self-talk a lot of hey mo just do what needs to be done because i felt more rested i wasn't using the outside activity as an excuse and that's a poor excuse i can't say i can't be productive at work because I'm training for an ultra marathon. (laughs) Hold on, boss. My hobby is what's taking priority. (laughs) So when they say to find the balance, I had to just kind of take a hard look at myself and say, you know, if you can be so disciplined in this outside stuff, you need to be disciplined on this inside stuff. And you need to do, you know, do some fine tuning here and see what it's going to take to become that productive, efficient person that A, they expect me to be, B, I know I can be. See, I was for a period of time and I lost that and now I'm getting it back and it feels very, very good. You know, the bosses like it when you're very productive. So that works out well. No, this is great. And I love, you know, to sum it up, it does seem like you you went through this period of time, a couple different periods of time, right? Because you're talking about the work stuff and you're also talking about the running stuff. They didn't necessarily happen at the same time. Exactly all. They weren't completely concurrent situations the entire time. And you kind of were able to look in the mirror and be like, all right, what's, what are the reasons here? What can I do to fix it? Well, then let's fix it, right? And that's the that's the last piece. So many of us have an idea of like, let me put it this way. It's easy to look in the mirror and be like, here are the things that aren't working, right? That's usually not the hard part, right? It's like, it's the next step, right? It's literally taking action yes. on those things. So when you have people either in your life or if someone's like, hey, Mo, like I'm struggling with this. What do you think? And you can see like, hey, it's the action part, right? It's not the self-discovery part. It's just action. What do you tell them about like, hey, here's what you need to do. Kind of like what your boss guest gave to you. Like, hey, like, you know, here, here's the deal, you know? I'm a big believer and I... I really pump myself up on the small wins. They say celebrate the small wins. I really pump myself up. So I I, I give myself credit when I do a few small things. And then I tell myself, imagine how you'll feel when you do a few more. Um, So start with something very, very small. For me, it was just not doing the basic essentials like follow-up emails, follow-up phone calls, outgoing sales calls, um, the, the the extra effort at work, the sprinkling in a few hard efforts of running every week instead of just relying on one and saying, hey, I have a run streak. I'm outside every day. It's going to all fall together one day. Well, it's not going to all fall together if you're not following a structured plan and if you're not staying consistent with with the hard efforts. I'm, I've, I've grown and matured past the whole go hard every single day attitude. I don't think that's going to get me to where I want to go. Um, hats off to everybody that that follows that kind of mindset. But for me, it just wasn't. I really have embraced the recovery stuff, the rest stuff. The But at the same time, I don't want to rely too much on that. So to get back to your question, I always say just start small, whether it's a to-do list that's three or five items and tackle it and celebrate the fact that you just did all three, that you just did all five and really give yourself a lot of credit so you can hype yourself up. So the next time you accomplish, you know, 10 things, you're even more hyped up. Yeah. And it builds on it, right? Cause it even, does. cause the, even your like momentum and even your low key days now, like they're not, there's plenty of people out there 
myself included, who would not view that as a low key day for me. Right. Like it's like, hey, you're out there like, yeah, this is a low key day for me. Like I did like an hour of hot yoga. I had a full work day and I lifted. It's like, well, that's a pretty full day for a lot of people. So it also there's this relative piece, too. It is. And I and I say that all the time. I'm very grateful for the fact I've gotten to the point where a low key day is a one mile run, a 40 minute ride, 60 minutes of strength training and a full work day that you're right. That's not that low key. But for me, it works that is a pretty low key day. And then I can look forward to a hard effort run on a Saturday or a Sunday or a Thursday, which is my day off from my full-time job. So I'll sprinkle in the hard efforts on, on a day like that. Um, it, I like the fact of building a foundation. I like the fact I was so, so brand new in the strength training stuff. I talk about it all the time. Um, I, I used to be able to read the coach's body language and when they would look at me and I could tell they would say like, this guy runs marathons and he can't do a split squat. And to be able to move past that part, I really celebrate those those victories. I celebrate co- overcoming those hurdles. Now I am in the back squat room. Now I am in in the heavyweight room, lifting with with the bigger guys and the big, you know, the 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 guys and gals that lift heavier and so forth. And it, it's just a lot of fun to celebrate the progress. It's a lot of fun. I call it baby steps. Um, just have fun with it. Give yourself credit. Remind yourself that, you know, we're the lucky ones that get to get up and get after it every single day. Be grateful for the grind all of the time. That's what I like to say. Not just when the stars shine and not just when the sun shine and the uh, stars align. Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's 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 move to the next thing. You recently had a hundred mile race. Yes. Right. So you, you're very public about your goals and the races you're doing and all that stuff. You have done ultras, you know, as you mentioned, for years now. You've done the hundred mile distance before. Um, you had a hundred mile race a couple weeks ago, about a month ago. It didn't quite go your way, right? And I want to talk about this because again, all of us have experienced this sort of thing. A race is not going our way. So I just want you to kind of introduce what the race was, kind of what happened. And we can dive into that because I think that so many people have that experience. Just, just like with our plateau conversation, it's not like if this happens. It's more like all right, how you react when this happens. So um, just tell people like what, what the race you were doing and what kind of like you're hoping to get out of it when you first registered and when you were driving up there. So I was really, really pumped up. The race was on my calendar for over five and a half months. I registered in the winter of last year. It was called the Riverlands 100 in Turner, Maine, Andrew Scoggins State Park, I believe is the name of it. Um, and it was May 6th of this year. So once again, the race was on my calendar for five plus months. I had recently completed my first 100 miler, the Javelina 100, 100, however you pronounce it, in Arizona in October. There was a 30 hour cutoff. I finished in 2809. So very, very proud of my effort. However, a lot of room for improvement. So the entire four to five months going into this Riverlands 100, it was the waking up early, getting the strength training done. Doing the, doing the yoga, doing the long runs, doing the weight vested long runs, doing the elevation runs. I don't think I went into this race under-trained, under-prepared, or naive. I knew it was going to be difficult. I even received a text the week before um, from somebody that I look up to in the running community. Um, Chris, he's an anchor down uh, veteran. And he was like, good luck this week. You know, your training has been off the charts. I know I know you're going to crush it. However, you know, this race is probably going to be more difficult than Javelina. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm not going to lie, I'm thinking to myself, how is this going to be more difficult 
than 100 miles in the desert. With that being said, I always go into things not naive, not ignorant to the fact that it's going to have its own challenges. The terrain was beyond technical. Once again, we don't come home with excuses. Um, I don't want to sound like I'm making up excuses. I was ready. I felt stronger and fitter on those high, those high climbs than I've ever felt before. Where I went wrong, there were four 25-mile loops. I didn't strategize the right way on my loops. Um, the first loop was strong. The second loop was very strong. It was during the day. The sun was out. I had um, a very good friend of mine, Carolina, come up there with me and do the third loop as my pacer. That was overnight. I struggle at night, especially in unknown terrain. So I was erring on the side of caution. I had the headlamps. Instead of, I had slipped and fell a few times during the day just because it was muddy, just because it was slippery, just because it was rough, rough terrain. Um, the course was difficult. The people that were excelling on the course were, were people that had returned to that course and had done it multiple times. Once again, we're not out there for excuses, we're out there to perform. I trained my butt off to get to that point. Um, there was a point in the race where I had surpassed mile 40 and I kept looking back at my Javelina race when I was at mile 40 and I was at such a mental and emotional and physical low point. I had to remind myself, Matt, that the sweatshirt says positivity always because the positive panda was nowhere to be found at that point. Um, I was telling myself a lot of negative thoughts when I was in Arizona, like, you're not even halfway done. 40 to 42 felt like eternity. 42 to 44 felt like eternity. So in Maine, I'm at mile 42. I'm at mile 43. I'm clicking. I'm at 50. I'm at 51. And things felt good. I was confident. I felt strong. I'm thinking of that buckle. When the nighttime came and I started to slow down, I slowed down way too much. I was relying way too much on power walking with little segments of jogging, little segments of running. And that really hurt me. There was a 75 mile hard time cutoff. I think it was 26 hours or 25 and a half hours. You had to be at mile 75. So I made that cutoff and I felt great. The chairing for me, you know, the race. Direction. That is the end of the third lap. Correct. Okay. Sun's back up. Fourth loop. This is where I shine. I have no reason to not have an awesome day. However, I was working against the clock. I had moved so slow for that third loop. I was like minutes to spare at every mile. I should have had much more time to spare. When I got to mile 80, the, one of the people that were involved with the race director and at the aid station, he said, I hate to tell you, he said, you're not going to make it to 88 in time. Why don't you stop here? And there were a handful of us. Um, that doesn't make it any better. It took more than a few minutes for it to actually sink in that I wasn't going to be completing the race because I was physically, mentally, and emotionally ready to go. Wasn't ready to sprint to the finish. You know, it was going to be slow going. Um, but I wasn't ready to give up. I wasn't ready to quit. I really wanted that buckle. So to be told that I couldn't go on was it stung. It stung really bad. I was very upset immediately. He said, take a seat. You know, we're going to cook for you. You know, that kind of took away a little bit of the sting, but not much. Um, <laughs> I think they made me a bacon and cheese quesadilla. It was delicious. They made me two of them, actually. Um, the aid stations were incredible. 
but I had realized it's all sinking in. Five months of training, five months of amping myself up, hyping myself up, you know, putting it out there. I'm going after this buckle. I'm getting my second 100-mile buckle. This is what I'm getting up for. This is what I train for. Train how to get better. All the things I throw out there on social and everything. It was all starting to sink in that I wasn't going home with the buckle. That this was this was a real did not finish. Um, and I know a lot of folks, I got a lot of encouragement, a lot of text messages, calls, messages saying, you know, don't be too hard on yourself. 80's great. You know, it was your first time on that course, but 80's not 100. So that was where my mindset was. It was a great showing up and grinding out some miles, but in my mind, it wasn't good enough. There were plenty of folks that finished. Um, not as many that didn't finish, but I didn't want to be in the category that didn't finish. I wanted to be in the category that finished. Um, it took a good 10 to 14 days to really, really turn a positive page. I mean, I I say that and I'm just, I'm just being honest and owning it. I was pretty sad and upset about it. And um, I had to walk, I think, six miles back to the, to the start line, um, something like that. Um, about about five miles, yeah. About um about five miles back to the start line. It was a long, slow walk. It was probably like a two probably like two hours. Yeah, a little bit longer than that. And I was getting phone calls, I was getting text messages, and it and it and it hurt. It was I was emotionally banged up having to respond to some of my closest friends that were reaching out, like, Hey, what's going on? You know, I, I was tracking you and I don't see you finishing and I was like, Well, that's because it's a DNF. I got timed out, didn't make the time cut off. So I'm owning it. I'm letting it sink in. And I kept telling myself, you can't be the positive panda. You can't be positive marathon panda Maurice if you're going to let this, you know, quotation mark negative moment define you. I mean, it not to sound cliche, but I shouldn't let it define me. It's I'm going to use it as fuel moving forward. Um I got a great message from the same gentleman, Chris. He said, you know, I had a DNF on my resume. And he goes, I just used it as fuel for the fire and made sure it never happened again. Um, and I believe it might have been his one and only. I don't I don't know if that's true or not. But the way that he worded it and, and was encouraging me, it really helped because um, I don't want it to happen again. I'm very fortunate that my body is able to go out and do these things. I know where I went wrong. I have big goals to for another couple of 100-mile races to be completed before the end of the year. Um, and I'm using it as fuel to, to move forward. So how did, from a, ment- from a mental and emotional perspective, how did being timed out of a race feel compared to like just stepping off the course and saying, I just can't do this anymore? Right. And, and there are plenty of DNFs that happen when someone is injured. Right. If you are injured, you should drop out of a race. Right. Like there's a difference oh, between right. uncomfortable and hurting versus injured. Right. If someone's injured, please don't put yourself in jeopardy. Step off the course or if you're training or whatever. Right. So just taking that part aside. Right. Compare and contrast for me, just like your mentality and how you process it, uh, both in the moment and afterwards, the being timed out versus the all right, I just need to stop and like maybe the regret that can kind of come after that. So it helped. It helped knowing that I walked away injury-free 
it wasn't because of an injury. Um, I did witness somebody with a pretty bad injury out there that had to drop it like mile 36. Um, so I was very thankful and grateful that I wasn't in that position. Um, once again, I wasn't ready to do any sprinting or anything like that, but I was ready to continue on. And yeah, and I mean, and that, that's and that's a unique position for a lot of people, right? Getting timed out of a race, a lot of people haven't experienced that, right? So it's not like, hey, I gave in, I shouldn't have given in. Why did I give in when things got super tough? I trained for how to handle the toughness. That wasn't the case, right? You got you got timed out, you got pulled off of the course. How does that compare and contrast for you in terms of like processing it versus you know, maybe the the feeling of like, all right, I gave in when maybe I shouldn't have. It was a little bit easier to, to help me process it, but it kept making me go back to the fact that I was so slow on my third loop. Mm. And I said, you know, what, what, all of the woulda, coulda, shoulda's. And that's one of the things I was throwing out there on, on social a few months leading up to the race was we're not coming home with a woulda, coulda, shoulda. And I was like, well, Maurice, it looks like you're coming home with a woulda, coulda, shoulda. So I was very disappointed in myself staying positive, staying grateful that once again, injury free legs were still working. I mean, I didn't need a, a med to get me back to the start line. I was able to walk back to the start line. Um, I was able to walk up and down the stairs two days later at work. So there was a lot of positives to take away from it. Um, so just being able to, to get to 80, I was like, you know, that is, a huge accomplishment. Let's not let's not take away from that. As much as I want to just keep screaming, 80s not 100. I did get to crank out 80 miles on a very difficult course where I had never done that type of elevation in a race setting before, um, or probably in any training setting either, other than maybe some hill repeats on the east side of Providence um, mm. that didn't have you know rocks and so forth. So it was. I kept focusing on the positives. To, to help me let the sting, you know, hurt a little bit less. Hey, everybody. This episode is brought to you by Sky, a super fun and interesting apparel brand that I have grown to love. They were formed back in 2013 by a former windsurfer, Lars Peterson, who wanted to bring fun and just an exciting attitude to the apparel brand while also having the best and highest quality stuff out there. And that's exactly what this brand has been able to do, has unbelievably high quality gear that is just fantastic, but in a way that doesn't take itself too seriously and is fun and really interesting looking. In addition to that, their whole process is about supporting sub-elite athletes, and that's exactly why they wanted to reach out to the Rambling Runner podcast to work with all of you, because that's exactly who they're looking to, to, to work with, basically. And for them, they call them the everyday heroes, right? The people who are juggling work, friends, family, and their athletics, all the stuff that we do on a daily basis, and that's exactly why Safe Guy was created like I said before, go check them out at saysky.us. That's S-A-Y-S-K-Y, saysky.us to see their really interesting, just the, the their color choices, their design elements combined with really durable attire. And not only that, if you use code RR15, you can also save 15% on your order. That's RR15 to save 15% on your order today at saysky.us. Moving forward from that, what were some of the the learning experiences that you took from it? Because like you mentioned, like that third loop, taking the woulda, shoulda, coulda part of it, like obviously it seems like maybe you could have potentially handled that third loop better, 
right? Like it's like you got pulled off the course not because you weren't physically fit enough or that you weren't fast enough or stuff like that. It was maybe some choices that were made either in training or on race day that could have set you up for a better time that day or maybe going a farther distance that day. So what were some of the things that you took from that experience? And you say, hey, all right, let's extract the education from this, from the tuition I paid. And uh, let's see, you know, if I can get better at this and, and what I can learn from it. Um, so just to have more lights on hand, I, I ran out of, um, ran out of lighting. Um, once again, it's never to sound like an excuse. I'm just being realistic. I, I right. ran out of lighting. My, my backup headlamps died as well as my, my priority ones. So that was an issue. I was down to an iPhone light at one point. Um, just waiting for the sun to come back up. It made me want to be careful. And I kept saying, don't be stupid, you know? no other way around. I said, don't be stupid. Don't fall and get hurt because you're trying to make a certain time. However, that slow loop was the reason why I was racing against the clock early in the morning and wasn't able to make that, that next checkpoint. Um, I should have had more of a disciplined strategy of a walk run strategy where I, where there was, where there was a non-negotiable where I just ran no matter what, and then walked instead of relying so much on the walk, 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 a little bit of jogging, walk, 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 a little bit of jogging. And that was my strategy and it didn't work out too well. Um, needed to implement a lot more running into that segment, a lot less walking. Um, and it, it sounds like an excuse, but I re- I'm just being realistic. I needed to have more lights. I really no, I think this is important. Like you have to identify what went wrong. Yeah. And how can I fix it? I needed right? to have more lights, um, probably a waste lamp. Um, I need to invest in, so that's going to be a, that's going to be a must-have before my next um, ultra, which is coming up in August, where I'll be running overnight. This is great. And then talk to me about being able to kind of feel the feelings of the experience while also keeping the positivity always vibe, but also like because this is what I think can hurt a lot of people is if they don't. I'd love to get your feeling on this. Is if they don't let themselves experience what that situation felt like and they just immediately try to go to the next thing or paper over it with positivity or any other feelings um, or just like try to like put it in a box, right? And just completely compartmentalize it. It tends to linger. At least for me, it does. And I know other people as well. So what's been your experience about like being able to feel the full range of emotions of that experience while still having this? All right, I also want to stay positive. What what helped me stay positive was I I stayed true to myself. I was out there. Every runner that passed me, every runner that faced me on the turnarounds, I'm cheering on. I'm saying hi to. I'm saying happy Saturday, happy Sunday, whatever whatever day it shook out to be. Um, great job, awesome workout here. What's your name? How you feeling? So that helps me when I receive the positivity back. When I hear somebody say, you know, thanks for cheering me on. You really helped me on that second loop. That was awesome. I hope you do great. That helps me. Um, and then owning it, just speaking it and not shying away from the fact that yes, I failed. Yes, this was a goal that wasn't reached. There was a big number out there and I didn't hit it. So owning that combined with staying true to, you know, you can't just say you're Mr. Positive Panda and not be Mr. Positive Panda. Um, those two things combined really helped me move on. Um, I mean, I wrote DNF all over my desk at work on different folders and stuff to kind of just remind myself as silly as it sounds. Um, because 
I don't want to shy away from it. I don't want to put it in a box. I, I want to own it. Um, it's probably good. It, you know, I'm looking at it as it's probably good for the ego. It's probably good for the resume. It's probably good for the learning experiences and I can build off of it. Um, I already have talked to the race directors. I'll be first on the email list in August when they, when the signups come and I'm going to sign up and I'll be back there next year going after the 100 mile buckle, um, knowing where I need to improve, knowing what I did wrong and, and hoping to learn from that. And you're training like an animal. <laughs> I, love, I, love, I love watching your training. I follow you on Instagram, Ostrava too. Like you're 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 rocking it, and it's really impressive. Um, Thank you. Even even the speed that you throw in there too. Like you mentioned, there was a time where like you didn't really care about speed. That obviously isn't the case anymore. Like you're throwing down seven thirty miles um, throughout different runs, and really putting in some hardcore work, which is really exciting. Last thing I want to talk about is the accountability in the posting. Right. So there was, you know, a time where I would post a lot of my runs on Instagram. I don't do it anymore. It is 100% self-conscious It's like purely, it's not even like, I mean, those posts would always get even more engagement than the podcast posts. So right. like I was they getting positive they feedback. They to see you running miles. I was, and still am extremely self-conscious about my running. Um, and I'll just be completely brutally honest here. Cause you're being honest and I, and I feel the, the need to do it. Is that like a lot of it, even with like being a coach, like, I think 95% of the people I coach are faster than I am, right? And I, that doesn't make me self-conscious to be their coach, but it does make me self-conscious to be like, here, look at this run I did or this workout I did. And they're like, oh, I'm faster than my coach, right? Again, that doesn't mean, I mean, shoot, look at the NBA, right? Like every oh. single player on the on the court is better at basketball than the coach, right? <laughs> Even the coaches are used to be NBA players, right? Like James Harden can beat Doc Rivers in the game of one-on-one. But, um, but I do feel that. And I've definitely pulled back almost completely from posting on Instagram about my running. And I'm sharing that because I know other people feel self-conscious sometimes and things like that. You have continued to do it. So I would love to know, you know, how that has, you know, either helped you or how that has served you in terms of posting that sort of stuff every day when it obviously is a purely voluntary act that it's not like you get like paid for it. I mean, it's just something that you choose to do and how that has impacted you and what your thoughts are on it. So I appreciate you sharing your vulnerability with, with us, Matt. It means a lot. And I continue, it's an ongoing battle because I feel this, I can't, I couldn't agree with you more. I feel the same way I can relate to you on level 1000. I get self-conscious. I use the social media, especially Instagram, that's the, my number one platform to, to go to and to use and to stay active and engaged on as a positive thing. You read a lot about, you know, don't follow stuff if it makes you feel bad about yourself. You know, don't, you know, don't just keep scrolling. You shouldn't be following stuff of people that talk negative. If somebody's going to talk negative about somebody that runs a 13 minute pace or a 14 minute pace or a 16 minute pace then that's the stuff that you don't need to be involved in. Um, my paces are probably never going to be sub six, you know, or sub seven for a marathon distance. But that doesn't mean I don't love the sport. That doesn't mean I don't love to run halves and fulls. And if I if I average out at an 830 guy for the rest of my life, I'm still going to love this stuff. Um, there are a lot of times where... I do feel this, I feel self-conscious because I'm like, you're not really that fast, Mo, and you love this stuff and you do it all the time. And um, and you have these people, it, 
you get into your own head. You see somebody and it's like, just ran my first half marathon and blah, 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 blah. And it's like this 7-10 pace. And you're like, what the heck? What am I doing wrong? Like, I've done 70 of these things. I don't think I've ever ran one at that pace. Um, but I don't get too caught up in that. We all have different body types. We all have different um, athletic ability. I mean, if you're some former division one athlete and you go out and run your first half marathon, there's a, there's a good chance it's going to be pretty strong. That doesn't mean the person that's running a 13-minute pace half marathon didn't work just as hard. I'll always, 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 I might have even mentioned it on your podcast before. Nick Lemon, awesome guy, ranked like number 30, finished like 36th, I want to say, in the Boston Marathon in, in 2018. Like just incredible performance. Um, I I shot him a message on Instagram that at that day after the race like, Hey, you better watch out. You know, you only beat me by like 36,400 runners, whatever the math was. I actually, I actually did the math because I, I placed like 36,000 something. Um, and he did the little, you know, LOL, but he said, you know what? He said, you ran the same race on the same day in the same weather on the same course and you put out the same effort. Great job. Can't wait to keep following your streak. Like it just made me feel so awesome to have that it was like a combination of encouragement and hype and hey i'm paying attention to what you do too i think that's pretty cool like you got this streak going on you know that's pretty cool i think and there's plenty of days where my streak is a one mile 16 minute jog around the block to say i got outside and did it you know um i like to keep the daily average up but the, there's, there's plenty of days where it's just a one mile slow run jog to keep that streak alive um with all that being said, that quote, that that message from him will always just resonate with me. And it helps me remind myself, just own where you're at. Build from that. If you're looking to build, if you're not, if you're happy, just stay happy. Like you can be happy at a 14 minute pace. You can be happy at an 11 minute pace, 10 minutes, nine minutes. Someone else always says it. Um, or I mean, it's often said your slowest pace is somebody's fastest. And your fastest is somebody's slowest. You know, I, I, I could get caught up looking at these Olympians and all these new, you know, people signing up with it's with on cloud running and stuff that are just smashing records worldwide and stuff. And the high school kids that are breaking sub four and everything like that's never going to be me. But that doesn't mean I don't love this stuff. That doesn't mean I'm not hyped up to sign up for my next race. And I'm not hyped up to go pass out high fives at the next local half. And I really love this sport. I love what it's done for me. I love the inclusiveness of the community, including the online aspect of it. Instagram itself, I always say it all the time. It like literally saved my life. Like I was a guy that used to, and I have to talk about this, like I was a guy that used to trade a smartphone for, for drug money. So to have a platform in my hand in a smartphone where I can engage with people that are like, hey, Mo, great job. Hey, Panda, great job. It was awesome seeing you last week. Can't wait for the next one, da, da, da. Like that stuff really fires me up and it gives me that raw gratitude every day to stay fired up, I would never be able to meet someone like you. Look at how much growth you've experienced in this in, in this industry and in this community because of what you do. You love what you do. You're passionate about it. You show up and you put the work in and you have the coolest podcast out there in the world. Oh, wasn't that nice? <laughs> I appreciate it. I appreciate it. All right, Mo, before we get going, our the final segment of every podcast now, which I'm so excited about with Running Warehouse, five shoe questions, all right? You can check the links in the show notes, not only link to Running Warehouse, which is an affiliate link, uh, it doesn't affect you or your price, but it does help out the show. Uh, same thing with all the shoes that Mo mentions. There'll be affiliate links in the podcast notes. 
all of it helps me, doesn't hurt you. It's a win-win situation. So Mo, let's get into it. First question, as always, what is your favorite daily trainer? Right now, I'm floating between the Hoka Clifton 9 and the Nike Just Zoom Fly. So the newest version of the Zoom Fly. So that's the Zoom Fly 5. Zoom Fly 5, I've been very, very happy with. And the Hoka Clifton 9, I've been beyond happy with. So I, I switch between those two for daily long runs, training runs, and everything. So what about those shoes do you like? Um, they're wide enough for me. The Hoka Clifton has a super wide toe bed super wide foot base very comfortable i feel like it's um i'm on the heavier than ever side now i like to say i'm about 200 pounds you got all this muscle now from all this lifting (laughs) so for a guy like me um it really helps it it keeps me comfortable no foot pain um at night no foot pain in the morning um and the same the same with the zoom fly i've actually the Every since the one, two, threes, and fours, I've been in love with them. I had a little issue with with the Zoom Fly three, where I felt they were a little narrow, um, and I think they've solved that in the in the fifth version. All right, that's great. All right, second question: What's your favorite race day shoe? Um, and you can, and if there are different categories or say different distances that you want to mention, if there's different shoes for them, feel free to dive in. Okay, so I'm still a Vaporfly guy. I love the Vaporfly. Um, since they were first introduced, I think they were called the four percent. Um, I love those. I feel like they're durable. I feel like they're reliable. I feel like they justify the price because they do last a really long time. Um, yeah, I'm going to stand by that. I like I like the Vaporfly a lot. I have the threes. I'm hoping that they last as long as some of the older versions. They've I've experienced a little bit more wear than I would like to after I think I'm less than 80 miles in. Um, but it um, I, I have a positive outlook on them. All right. What was your first running shoe that you fell in love with? Um, the A6 Gel Nimbus, I believe, is the model, and I actually miss it, and I really want to go back to A6. I miss the brand a lot. That's what the only brand I ran in for my first few years of consistent running, um, and I don't really know why I veered off of it, um, but I want to go back to A6. I miss it. All right. Well, we might dive into that in the fifth question. All right. Number four, what shoe that did you buy that you had super high hopes for but just ultimately didn't work for you? That would be the Nike Alpha Fly. I know it's one of the most popular shoes out there right now, but for me, it's just a little bit too narrow um, to the point where it like pinches in my arch. Um, yeah, it does have such a strange arch. Yeah, so I, I actually have a pair up on Facebook Marketplace right now. <laughs> so they're like they're literally brand new. I think I ran like two miles. What, what size? In case men, men's size thirteen. Hit me up. Size <laughs> slide in my DMs if you want to buy them. They're the purple fly knits. Um, I'll let them go real, real cheap. Um, so and, that, and it was my second time trying that that shoe, and it just doesn't work. For was me. it the original or was it the two? These are the twos, and I gave the ones a try. I, I ran a couple road races in them, and they just actually, for me, I know it's an awesome shoe for so many people. For me, I feel my foot is a little bit wider, and it did cause a little bit of pain, so it's just not the shoe for me. Gotcha. All right. Last one before we get going, Mo. Thank you so much for being here, for doing all of this, as always, even doing it live. In my, let's just say live. An in-person interview. It's been a while since this I've been able to do these. All right. Last one. If money was no object, what shoe would you buy in 2023? Probably the high-end Asics Race Day shoe or the Brooks Hyperion, I think it's called. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. All right. Well, thanks a lot, my man. Thank you for having me, Matt.